For those of you who don't know me, my name is Jenny. No Christmas jumper. I don't have any Christmas jumpers, but I have got my Christmas red. So we're in the Christmas red jumper. I don't think how many years I've owned this jumper. Um, great. So have you ever had a real surprise? One that was completely out of the blue? Or perhaps you've created a surprise for someone else? Many years ago, when I was at university, I surprised my mum one Mother's Day. Uh, I just jumped on a train and arrived, and when I walked in, into the house, she was in uh, the spare room ironing, and I just walked in as a complete surprise, and it was just so lovely to see the expression on her face. My stepdad, of course, was in on it, uh, just so that I could be sure they were actually at home when I got there. But let's be honest, a lot of times there are little signs of a surprise. Like the surprise birthday party you don't know about, except everyone's acting a bit strangely, and weirdly, no one seems available to go out and celebrate with you on your birthday. Or that surprise Christmas present, which actually you'd been hinting at and hoping would be under the tree. A book we used to read to our children, which I love, is called Handa's Surprise. Uh, and she sets off to visit a friend in another African village. Hopefully you'll see her. Here she is. And she's carrying a variety of fruit on her head as she walks off to this other village. But when she gets to the other village, she brings down the basket, and on the basket is a load of tangerines. And her friend, Akeo, says, Oh, wow, I love tangerines. And Handa's like, That is a surprise. Now, what's happened is that as she's come, different animals, as she's walking along to the other village, they come and they take different fruits, as you can see in the, in the next slide. There's some pictures of different animals who are taking the fruits as she walks past. And just as she gets there, uh, an animal crashes into a tree and loads it up with tangerines. Hence, she arrives with completely different fruit from what she set off. But of course, there will have been signs that this was happening. She was carrying it on her head. She will have felt the difference in weight as different fruits were taken off, and especially when all the tangerines came crashing onto her head. I just want to spend a few moments this afternoon reflecting on the holy surprise at Christmas. God coming to earth as a baby. Who on earth saw that coming? There are very few instances of God coming to earth before Jesus. But when he does, there is a sense of awe, of wonder, of holiness. The best example is the burning bush, when God appears to Moses, and he's speaking out of this bush that seems to be on fire but is not being burnt up. Take off your sandals, God says to Moses. You are standing on holy ground. When heaven comes to earth, it's a holy occasion. <laughs> Do you want to take that down? I can see general, or maybe that's a good idea, general children distraction on the pictures. <laughs> it's a very good book. Uh, the Christmas story is full of surprises, isn't it? Mary, suddenly visited by an angel, told that she's going to give birth when she's a virgin, she finds out that her cousin Elizabeth is pregnant, but her cousin is advanced in years, is barren. How can this be true? There's a surprise that God chooses for his son to be born in a stable with the animals, and that shepherds, not royalty, are chosen as the first visitors. 
Of course, there's a surprise of the shepherds having the heavenly host appearing in the fields. And the biggest surprise of all, that the word would become flesh and dwell among us. That God would come to earth in the form of a man and live among us. What a bolt out of the blue. Or was it? You see, for the people of God at that time, there had been signs that this had always been God's plan. They had the Old Testament scriptures with verses such as these. Isaiah 7:14. The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Daniel 9, verses 24 to 27 sets out a timetable of when to expect the Messiah, known as the 77s. Micah 5, verse 2, But you, Bethlehem, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel. And then this very well-known verse in Isaiah, verses 6 and 7 of chapter 9. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So they did have some clues, didn't they? Born of a virgin, coming out of Bethlehem, a timetable to generally expect, and that this would be God come to earth, that this would be for eternity. But we know from the Gospels and the life story of Jesus that the Jewish leaders and experts in the law did not accept that Jesus was the Messiah. I like to think some of the normal people of faith maybe did anticipate it. Did Mary anticipate it? Apart from asking a natural physical question about how she could conceive, she accepted it. So did the shepherds. There are many reasons why we don't see the signs and something comes as a surprise. Here are a few that may have been at play that first Christmas. First of all, self-absorbed. Were they just too self-absorbed in their own world, in what was going on, in their own own rule-keeping? Were they just too busy to look out or up? There's ignorance. Were they just not well enough versed in what they were to anticipate? Was there just a lack of knowledge which meant they didn't see the signs? What about just giving up caring? In the Bible, that often talks about hardening of heart. Were their hearts hardened? Had they given up caring? Or, of course, they might just be not believing. They might have known all this. They might have read those verses and just thought, I simply don't believe it. I don't believe that God would act in that way. And, of course, the final one that affects many of us, being scared, fear. Were they just fearful of what it might mean for them as individuals or as a people. Hope you like my acrostic there. Um, I wonder if these are valid today as reasons that we ignore the signs and something comes as a surprise. Take the pandemic. This appeared out of nowhere and took us all by surprise. Or did it? 
Back in 2015, Bill Gates said that the world was not ready for the next epidemic and that the world should prepare for pandemics in the same serious way it prepares for wars. There were scientists, infectious disease experts, echoing the sentiment. I would suggest that people were too self-absorbed. Those who could prepare chose not to properly take in the information or provide the funding and just hoped it wouldn't happen. Perhaps it felt too big and they were scared or simply didn't believe it. But it did happen and we're all paying the cost for those who put their heads in the sand. Sometimes we need to be brave and face facts and read the signs before it's too late. That would be true, say, for a marriage in trouble, to see the signs rather than suddenly be surprised when it ends. Sometimes we can be tempted to wait for the evidence rather than act on the signs, and that is very true when it comes to Christianity. Evidence uh, is about the available facts or information which indicate whether something you believe is true. It, it sort of cements it, doesn't it? I believe this, but here's the evidence that means it's true. Signs, however, it's an object or a quality or an event whose occurrence indicates the probable occurrence of something else. So it starts to point towards something, which is what we're looking at. In fact, isn't that what we've seen in the past couple of weeks? We don't yet have all the evidence of what Omicron will mean for us, but we can see the signs, and the government is acting on the signs, not yet the evidence, because sometimes if we wait for the evidence, it can be too late. The wise men did not wait for the evidence of the birth of Jesus. They acted on a sign. They saw a special star and went on a long journey to follow it. They were open to believing. They looked outside of their own world around them and they bravely set out and kept going even when they couldn't see the star. I want to ask this afternoon, do we look for and then act on signs from God? Or are we tempted to wait until there's hard evidence? Are we missing out on something magical, something supernatural, because we don't see and follow the signs when it comes to our walk with God? For those of us who follow Jesus, we have his Holy Spirit within us, prompting us. But you know what? We have to listen. In fact, First of all, we need to pause and reflect. And we're not suddenly going to get a heavenly host of angels appear to grasp our attention. One or two people may get an experience like that, but it's pretty rare. We, use, we normally have to just wait and look for the signs. After the shepherds had left the nativity scene, praising God and telling people about what they had seen, we have this verse in Luke 2, verse 19. It says, But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Do we take time for a holy pause where we stop and ponder what is going on around us? I remember years ago in my church in London, being given a lift home by an older couple, and, they were, and I asked them as I was in the car if they were busy in the run-up to Christmas. And the lady answered, no, actually. This year, 
I'm taking time to intentionally pause and reflect on the season. I'm afraid I haven't taken a leaf out of her book. I hurtle through December, usually with a mad flurry of present buying on Christmas Eve, though I've been much more organized this year thanks to all the delivery driver scares. So I am actually organized this year, but still hurtling. Uh, but I do think she was right, and it does sound like something I should be doing. So if God is speaking to you this Christmas, prompting you about something, be brave and ponder the signs. Don't rush on and end up being surprised by something when God is trying to prepare you for it. Soften your heart, receive it, believe. And for those who do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, are there signs that he may be calling your name, that there might be something more to life than just this? Can I invite you to incline your ear this Christmas? Ponder the signs. There's an invitation today to receive Jesus into your life with the simple, I am the Lord's servant, as Mary did. Or the simple obedience of the shepherds to believe, go and see. Don't be afraid. Both Mary and the shepherds are told that the same is true today. God does not want us to be afraid. After all, Jesus coming into our lives is good news of great joy for all the people. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for this good news of great joy, which is for all the people, not just a select few. And Lord God, I just pray this Christmas that you would help each one of us to ponder the signs. Lord, we don't want to be self-absorbed. We don't want to be ignorant of information we ought to know. Lord God, would you soften our hearts? Give us the gift of faith to believe. And as your messenger said 2,000 years ago to Mary and the shepherds, and I know you would say to us today, do not be afraid. May we be bold and courageous to your glory. Amen.